Have you ever been on a sea ship? Have you ever met a sailor? What does missions have to do with theology, church ministry, or the ocean? What can one person do to reach ostracized and unreached people groups? We'll get into all that in this episode of Churchpreneurs today with our special guest and missionary to CFARS, Felix Henrichs. Let's do this! Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneurs' vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneurs hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church, theology, and hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and most importantly, your personal growth in Christ. What up, churchpreneurs? we got a sweet show lined up for you today. My special guest today is Felix Henrichs. He's a German fella who's a missionary from Germany, to seafarers in Rotterdam, Netherlands. That's right, seamen, people on ships, sailors, whatever you want to call them. Felix holds a master's from Free Theological Academy or Freie Theologische Hochschule in Gießen, Germany, here in Germany in the Hessen area, Middle, middle Hessen. Um, he's also written a book uh, that's in German. Uh, you can check out uh, as well if you're a German speaker, our other episode that we recorded in German. He's written a book called Wo die ganze Welt vor Anker geht. Um, and that translated uh, would be probably where the whole world is moored um, or, or anchored. Uh, this book is no longer being printed, but it's available on ebook. Uh, so if you're a German speaker, go grab that book. It'd be a well worth your read. Uh, Felix is married to Kirsten. They have three children together. Jacob, Emily, and Hannah. Um, we have that in common. We have two girls and one boy, and uh, we have lots of ladies in the house, and that's why I like it. So, uh, Felix, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on our show. Welcome to Churchpreneurs. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for having me. All right, let's jump right into it. So, uh, Felix, tell us about yourself, where you're from, um, how you came to faith in Christ, maybe a, a little bit about your theological education, and uh, how you came to serve Christ where you're serving right now. Right. So, um, I, I was born and raised for most of my life in Germany. I was born in a town called Siegen. Mm -hmm. And... Um, when I was seven years old, I came to faith in Christ through the ministry of our Sunday school teacher in, in, uh, in the church that we were attending. And I heard the gospel really clearly pre presented there. And uh, I, I knew that this was for me, that um, even at that young age, I knew that I'm a sinner and uh, that if I were to die, that I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't be right with God. I wouldn't go to heaven. Mm. I'd go to hell. 
And uh, one one summer evening, I was uh, kneeling in front of my bed. I was praying and said, I, I, I repented of my sins, confessing them to the Lord, and I put my faith in Christ. And immediately after that, I started to share the gospel with, uh, with my schoolmates, with the kids that I knew. <laughs> and uh, that's been a passion ever since. And... Um, I thought you were a little crazy, huh? I was crazy. I'm, I'm as crazy as they come. The um, teach, teachers had to call your parents and everything. Right? Yeah, the, my 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 uh, my teacher went uh, to my parents' house and said something was wrong with me. Um, something was wrong with you. You got saved, bro. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so when I was 12 years old, my uh, family moved to uh, Pakistan. Uh, my parents were missionaries there for about five years, and uh, that completely changed my life. As you know, the you know the age between twelve and seventeen is very formative, and sure. uh, so I attended uh, an English-speaking um, boarding school for missionary kids there in the foothills of the Himalayas. So that was a very right. beautiful scenic place. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, so that, that had a big impact on my, on my life because uh, I, I really experienced missions firsthand, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, like mm. everything. And, um, but the, 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 the positive uh, examples that I had in people like my dad and, and, his, and, and other missionaries there um, made me want to be a missionary myself. I couldn't imagine being anything else you know right so i came, basically came back to germany with that desire tell us about those examples what, what who are some of those examples yeah so one uh one example was uh the dad of my best friend uh, his name is alex stewart he's from scotland and um he, he he's a doctor and he was running a clinic up in the very north of the country towards the chinese border up in the mountains Okay. And um, that's a that's a tribal area, and uh, so he would be you know in running the clinic for most of the time. But he had this amazing um, ministry philosophy that he would close the clinic down at like around two o'clock in the afternoon, and then he would spend the rest of the day um, visiting people, going to the the tea shops, you know, and and just chatting with them and sharing the gospel wherever he could. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. That's right. Yeah. It's good to have, to help people practically um, in, in mission, but, uh, but you know, some, some missions can, can be law, get lost in that and only helping practically and physically needs without sharing the gospel. and being Which about. I can understand, you know, if you're like confronted with so much need, yeah. then uh, you're tempted to, to, to do everything you can to alleviate that. And uh, but that can take up so much of your time yeah. that if you don't have yeah. your priorities straight, then uh, you're going to miss the purpose of why they, you're there. So you're an MK yourself, mm -hmm. grew up in Pakistan. That that's forming you like crazy uh, to be where you are at the moment, serving as a missionary. Right. Um, so uh, tell us. Uh, how did that form you and maybe lead you to the process of where you're serving now? And tell, and tell us about your ministry now. So, yeah, I'm, uh, it formed me in the sense that I grew up with uh, at an international boarding school with so many different nationalities. Um, and 
that ever since I've basically had uh, a deep love for people from that come from other countries. So yeah. for me, it's very easy to connect with people who come from, from other nationalities and backgrounds. So that's a huge advantage for the ministry that I'm doing right now. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I learned to speak English. That's a, that's a huge yeah. bonus, of course. Sure. Um, and I yeah. And so right now that that actually passes exactly perfectly for your ministry right now with touching so many nationalities. Tell us about that. So you're, you're working with seamen, um, right. you're in the port of Rotterdam. Um, and you just, you told me last uh, episode that you serve about eight, you see about 80 ships come into that port daily. Mm -hmm. So that's those people from all over the world. Tell us about who you're kind of engaging with as, as seamen there. Uh, just to finish up on your previous question, when I finished high school back in Germany, I studied theology in Gießen, as you already mentioned, with oh, yeah. the goal of going into missions. And during that time, I was praying to the Lord to guide me to the right place. And uh, I read a book written by a poor chaplain, a missionary to seafarers in Hamburg, called oh, yeah. Seafarers, A Strategic Missionary Vision, um, which, you, by the way, you can also find online on Amazon as an ebook. Okay. Um, and that so impacted me because I, ha I, I had no connection with seafaring whatsoever. Um, I never met a seafarer in my life. I'd never been on a ship. Right. And... <laughs> But he was describing those people and how they how he ministered to them, and they 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 seemed so open. And so I wanted to see that myself. So I wow. uh, did an internship in Hamburg. I remember I went to the, on the first ship. It felt I felt right at home there. You know, it was crazy. The, it, so the not, first time you stepped on a ship in Hamburg, yeah. you you thought like this is it. This is this is it. You know that wow. this is this is where I need to be. You, didn't, you, you got your sea legs right away, right? You got, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you got your sea legs immediately. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's how I ended up in this ministry. And then through various circumstances, I, uh, I ended up here in the Netherlands in Rotterdam okay. um, through God's guidance. And, you know, Rotterdam is, is, is a crazy port. It's, it's, it's Europe's biggest port by far. It's, it, oh. it's 50 kilometers long. It yeah. has so many terminals, so many different ships coming every single day. You said but in your last show, 80 a day, new 80 ships. A day, is that about? 80 a day. Wow. Yeah. But even still, now still it's the same. So um, all those ships are manned and they're all, you know, there are seafarers on those ships from a hundred different nations, hundred wow. plus nations, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they come from all um, cultural, religious backgrounds, you know, they're young men, older men, married men, single men. It's just, yeah, it's so we talk about we talk about missions melting pots a lot, mm -hmm. right? In in mission in missiology, right? And, and this is, uh, you know, America's a melting pot in some sorts. You know, Europe is becoming a melting pot, right? But right. that's like you really have people from everywhere in the world come in to Rotterdam, right there. Yeah, the world comes to us, you yeah. know. All I have to do is 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 register for the ships that I want to visit, yeah. uh, step into my car, go to the terminal, and then I can visit people in a normal day. It's very common to visit people for, or meet people from at least five different nationalities, if not more. That's great, man. So um, let, let's let's look at the scope. Tell us about the scope of your ministry. What does it include? When mm -hmm. you um, ju just maybe an everyday picture of your ministry. 
what would it include when you go on a ship or what have you? And then kind of, uh, you know, discipleship evangelism, what uh, kind of give us a fuller picture of what you would do uh, in this ministry? Yeah. So um, as I already mentioned, we have to go and visit the seamen. They cannot come to us. They are stuck more or less on the ships because when the ship is in port, it's a very uh, hectic and busy time for them. Mm-hmm. Because the ship, of course, has to be loaded, unloaded. Everything has to come and go as quick as as, as possible. Uh, especially now with COVID, nobody's allowed to off the ship, so the people are really isolated. They have contracts from between six and nine months for many of them. You know that means that they're actually away from home, away from their families. They're, they're because they're on board, working, earning their money, and then they can go home for as long as the money lasts, and then they have to go back again. Because at home uh, they don't get paid, you know. Yeah. And only and so, the time they're on the ship, then basically, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I call them nomads of the oceans, you know, because they're yeah. traveling the world. Um, yeah. And we're the we are the one of the few constant factors in their lives, and so we we have to you know visit them as as much as we can repeatedly, you know. And so yeah. what you do is you establish relationships with them. Uh, wherever you can, we try to share the gospel as clearly as 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 succinctly as as we can. Right. Mostly in in one on one conversations. Sometimes, in front of a group, um, we distribute Bibles. We one of our major focuses is uh, is getting the seamen to read the Word of God on a daily basis, so they, awesome. they can actually you know really know what the Bible says. And and you you know you and I we, of course we agree that. The word of God is so powerful yeah. that, that it is the only thing that really penetrates the human heart, you know? And, yeah. and so that's, that's what we do. We evangelize, but then there are believers on the ships, people at either people who come to faith um, through hearing the gospel through us or at home or people that have already been a believers for a while right. and they need encouragement. They need discipleship. They need somebody to counsel them. So we do th- we do that, and then when there are more than one believer on one ship, we try to get them connected so that for the time that they're on board together, they can have fellowship, they can have church together in a very small informal setting, of course. Yeah. But uh, that's so that they can have you know fellowship and support. Yeah. Um, we try to connect them as much as we can with their home churches, um, and. We try to equip the believers to be missionaries on their own ships so that they will be, we're, you know, sharing the gospel, maybe leading Bible studies, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And we supply them with all the material that they need. And So yeah. how many, um, when you distribute Bibles, uh, how many mm-hmm. uh, different Bible translations are you working with? How many do you have at hand? So we have uh, Bibles in about 50 different languages because That's we great. want to get you know, people to read the Bible in, in their mother tongue, if that's possible. That's incredible. So yeah, let's go back a little bit. This, you got to give us a really good view of your ministry. And, and I think it's awesome. Uh, but let's go back a little bit in your life, uh, especially the seminary. So uh, mm-hmm. we've had this commonality, didn't just found this out, uh, as we uh, chimed in to, to, today together, you went to FTH, Freie Theologische Hochschule, Free Theological Seminary in Gießen and studied uh, missiology un, under mm-hmm. my father-in-law, Klaus Müller. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like wild. And so um, how did that, how did those times um, 
there's this German term prägend. Oh mm -hmm. man, there's not a real great word for that in English or it's impress you, but it's, you know, how did those times impress you? But that's not a really great translation of that word, but in those times in, in, in your theological study, uh, how did that uh, build you toward this goal right here? I don't know if you can relate, you know, looking back, um, I, I think that I didn't really get everything out of it that I could have, you know. Um, no, I can't relate at all. <laughs> I didn't, I studied all the time. Right, you did I nothing did. else, right? You had no other interests or passions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could definitely relate. I look back, I think, oh man, what a loser I was. I didn't I study at all. Or <laughs> I look I was, back and I think, you know, God, this is such a, you know, such a proof of your grace in my life that you didn't right. leave me that way that what i a wa wasted life right there wasted time right <laughs> but i think you know the main thing that i got out of it is the the the, the centrality the mm. sufficiency and the necessity of the word of god in all wow. of life and ministry you know wow that you cannot divorce any part of your life from the word of god um so it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, it's, it has to be informed by what God's word says. It needs to be yeah. understood and interpreted correctly and applied yeah. correctly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the main thing that I, that I learned there and that, that, that I'm still benefiting from, you know, in my ministry until today, because we meet so many people and I sometimes jokingly say we're basically a cult ministry, you know, because um, if you include like Roman Catholicism and Islam in the, in the Christian cults, which I think they are, then uh, that's the majority of people that we talk to. It's from from cults, you know, wow. trying to get them to the biblical. So you speak truth. to a lot of people uh, who are Muslims and and, mm -hmm. and a lot of Roman Catholic background. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and they're coming from the world, I guess. So, right. Right. So, yeah. Right. Oh, very interesting. a little bit further in uh, as well. Sorry. Um, you were a missionary kid yourself. Um, you mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned the positives, but let's, I want to take a, a minute and have a look at for those who are thinking about missions and those who are already in mission, hopefully some of my listeners are thinking about missions or in mission. What were the positives in your life and the negatives? Let's have a right. honest look at, at, at both. What, mm -hmm. what really developed you positively and what was a thing that you missed as a kid maybe yeah well um aside from the things that i already said um a huge positive factor is that you have such a much broader horizon um when yeah. it comes to people you know so um you your your own um sense of normalcy um your own background becomes yeah. more relative in that sense, in a positive sense you know so that you can actually appreciate like how other people think and how and they've live. been raised yeah. it's yeah. very important you know when you engage people that you 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 cast off as much as as uh, any judgmentalism in, in as far as that possible mm -hmm. you know in 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 and of course when we're talking about like non-biblical things but um the negative on the negative side, I would say that, um, of course, being you know away from my parents, um, mm -hmm. 
being homesick a lot uh, leaves its scars. And I think the hardest thing for me was coming back uh, to Germany and settling back into what was supposed to be my home. Because uh, first of all, I had changed as a person. And yeah. second of all, we didn't come back as planned. We came back because of problems within the team. And I didn't mm. want to go back. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to stay mm. there. It was my home. I wanted to, all my friends were there. I wanted to graduate school there. Yeah. All of those things fell away. So um, I think you don't, you should never underestimate that. Like, like when, when a, a missionary family comes home, it's, it's not enough to just take care of the, the parents. You need to take care of the children as well. That's a good point for, for our churchpreneurs out there. Those involved in missions, those, those, uh, who are on the field, and then also churches who are welcoming their families home, maybe um, for homestay or something. Think about their kids as well. That's yeah. a really good point. Thanks for that, Felix. Be compassionate. This is not their home. Right. Right. Um, I, I know that for my kids. America's not their home necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Germany's really home. We've yeah. spent more years here in Germany than we have anywhere else with our kids, right. at least. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So think about the kids and be compassionate, have things for them, have nice things for them. Um, and, and, but even still, Segan, where you grew up was, you felt sort of not, you didn't feel completely at home there. Didn't no, feel I complete felt completely out of place. Yeah. So what helped me was I, I through, um, I don't know what it was, a conference or something. I met other uh, missionary kids and uh, yeah, so we yeah. got together, you know, we had, uh, meetings and, and things like that. That was yeah. very helpful. You know? And I'm sure y'all understood each other right away, right? Even though immediately, probably, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't know where, where that person's probably in Africa somewhere you were in Pakistan, but you're missionary kids and you just, right. Yeah. So you just totally connect because it doesn't matter where you grow up, you know, yeah, you have that yeah. in common. So uh, let's, uh, let's do this. Uh, you explain what your ministry encompasses and, and everything. Let me, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to show uh, one of your uh, newsletters, your most recent newsletter, if we can do that. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. So here we go. Uh, can you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's uh, the Henrichs uh, family uh, newsletter. Here's you know they have a little update and stuff like that, and then and here's some of the the, the people that you uh, work with and and you see consistently and uh, that yeah. you can get a picture of, I guess, right? And yeah, and they've <laughs> they've allowed you to share their pictures there, and uh, they're just hardworking looking people, right? I mean, mm -hmm. tell us about them. They're ordinary guys like you and me. Um, Seafarers are just ordinary people that just live in different circumstances. So um, they have the same uh, concerns, you know, everything like we do. Um, and they're very approachable. They're very happy when somebody comes yeah, and visits them. So they're, uh, for the most part, seafarers are very hospitable people yeah. because they come from cultures that are very hospitable and which we as Westerners can learn a lot from. Yeah. And so um, I'm coming as somebody who is there for them as, a, as their friend, mm -hmm. as maybe their pastor, as their, you know, a counselor, um, yeah. as somebody they, that they can uh, trust. Of course, I don't expect them to trust me during our first visit. Of right. course, I have to prove that, right? Throughout um, um, the course of the of the years that I've been in ministry, you you know, the more you visit somebody, the more you have, you're in contact with somebody, the more they they trust you and open up. Right. 
Yeah. Sure. Now, um, you said in these moments, in these days, in the Corona, they're not allowed to come off ships at the moment. How, that's, that's right. That's tough, right? So yeah, how are you able tough. to reach and touch those? I mean, I guess it's wonderful that you can at least go on their ships at mm. all and, um, and and be with them. That that probably is really encouraging, I guess, at the moment for, for some of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. So um, that's also a prayer request for your ministry, you know, at the moment. Um, so uh, this is then let's move on to your family here. Um, I see your son is playing baseball there. Now that's uh, wild in, in uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Tell us about the uh, base, baseball in the Netherlands. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So he's been playing baseball for a year now. Yeah. And uh, what many people don't know is that um, the Netherlands is actually the most America Americanized country in Europe. Oh, come so, on. Really? Um, um, ah. Baseball has quite a long tradition here. Um, it right? came through American influence. Um, and uh, so we have the, the national team of the Netherlands has been, uh, you know, um, a multiple time European champion. Wow. And they even won one of the world championships. So I guess he loves it, huh? It looks like he's he loves get, it. He just into it. that's his sport. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and then your daughter down here, she's uh, gotten her Einschulungs uh, <laughs> Tute, as they say in German. It's like a a, a, a thing of what is a Tute? Yeah, a, a, bag? a, a bag, a pouch of <laughs> yeah. of goodies. There's all sorts of candy and goodies. I guess I'll put uh, didn't put all the ungesunde stuff in there, right? <laughs> unhealthy stuff right never <laughs> never so it's full of goodies candy and whatnot when uh kids go into their first uh year of school so that's sweet man that's your family there yeah. great let's uh let me stop that share and then we can uh move on to other themes here that's uh, a picture into your uh ministry um what are uh some of the challenges you face um within your ministry uh, you talked about some successes there and mm -hmm. we really appreciate that that's awesome but what are some challenges so the biggest challenge is that you do have no guarantee that you're going to meet a person that you see again mm. so that that can be frustrating especially in the when you begin and the, during the first four or five years you're always starting initiating new contacts you know mm -hmm. and you see very little response in that sense of course you know people come to faith they're people who are encouraged mm -hmm. but uh, to really build relationships takes a few years it's hard man um, yeah and so our also uh, you know in our ship visiting we have certain priorities that we use to choose the ships because of course we have 80 ships to choose from Right. Um, so the number one priority would be, is there somebody that I know? Is there like a believer or an unbeliever that I, that I have a, 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 you know, a, a relationship with? Yeah. Um, sort I of a person visit, of peace, you know? maybe. Yeah. yeah. Something to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have to be faithful in, in, in revisiting the people that I know. Um, now, now, will you see those people again? Will they come back through the, uh, is Rotterdam such a big uh, um, port, I guess, that people can really, you see a lot of people coming back through? I see, uh, I don't know how, I wouldn't know what the percentage is, but I do see some of them again. Yeah, so, yeah. especially if they're on what we call liners, like container ships, for example, they have a regular schedule. They go from China to Europe, for example. Yeah. So they'll be back like every few months or in, in the case of a ship that's going within Europe every week or every two weeks. 
that means you can actually mm. revisit the same ships on a regular uh, so schedule you, you know do have some repeat some. customers yeah. but yeah yeah but then um, you know when they go home you don't know where, which ship they will go back to right. what the route mm -hmm. will be you know so it can yeah. it, it happens quite uh quite regularly that you don't see somebody or you lose sight of somebody for several years wow but I mean, you know, they took what what you could share with them in those few, I guess, few days that you see them, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Man, how to pack a, a a lifetime of scripture and 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 discipleship into a few days? Wow, what a challenge, right? So tell us, uh, what, how many? Do you have an estimate of how many uh, seamen and seafarers there are in the world, and what the those percentages are like? What? There are about two million uh, seafarers worldwide. Uh, the about a quarter of them comes from the Philippines. Wow. Uh, with uh, also a lot of uh, Chinese seamen, Indian seamen, uh, Indonesian, and Eastern Europeans. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, those are and, the. And you said from a hundred different countries or so in the yeah. last episode. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hundred different uh, nationalities. I've I have I've lost count, <laughs> but I've uh, met people from more than a hundred different countries. Now, when we talk about missions and mission effectiveness and everything like this, we talk about melting pots, right? Missionary mm -hmm. melting pots where cultures come or, or, or America is now a melting pot. Some people say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So I see it that much, but Europe is sort of a melting pot. The immigration is, 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 is uh, really packing. People are coming to Germany, for instance, as well. But that is really a melting pot. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You have Rotterdam and you have hundred countries coming into port there. Um, that's a missionary melting pot uh, as it were, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and uh, y'all, uh, what a ministry to be able to take take advantage of that. And I just uh, encourage all any listeners reach out to Felix, and we'll give all your information at the end. But to support and what an opportunity to preach the gospel to the nations. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's it's a, a very um, important ministry that, and not a very hard ministry to do in the sense of like effort or or uh, right. uh, uh stuff that you need um basically all you need is is a car and an access to the port wow. so local churches can do this um returned missionaries can do yeah. this yeah. for any reason you have to leave your country and you all those skills that you learned you can still apply them wow you know? yeah. um and and there are so many ports all over the world where people are needed. Yeah. Switching gears here a little bit, do people in your experience come to Christ through big events, personal witness, preaching or something altogether else what what's your feeling what's your uh, uh thoughts on that so i'm gonna have to give you <laughs> a two-pronged approach right two, yeah two, our, two, our, two from answers last, in one from last episode <laughs> you you bought the heat on this answer so i love it so <laughs> let's go for it so i was uh, it's gonna be a yeah it's just gonna be a little bit challenging hopefully um i would say none of those things bring people to christ in and of themselves because as you and i know um we as sinners are spiritually dead we are not seeking christ we're, we're we cannot dis discern or understand spiritual things um we are we're hiding behind our religious constructs and philosophical constructs as as those um 
those strongholds that we construct so that we can uh, suppress the truth and unrighteousness because of we love our sin. So, <laughs> so that is, you know, um, that is a problem of the human heart and of the yeah. human condition. And the only one who can change that is, is God, is, is God in his sovereignty through the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the gospel. And this yeah. is where we come back to those uh, things that you mentioned. Um, of yeah. God is sovereign in salvation. We don't, we don't uh, convert anybody. We are powerless to do this. But God has decided um, to, to do this through the proclamation of the gospel through faithful messengers. So right. that's why he's given us um, the Great Commission. And yeah. um, that's why we as Christians, uh, even though God doesn't need us, um, have the honor of, of, of serving him, of participating with him yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in proclaiming the gospel. So people can come to faith through big events if the gospel is clearly presented um, through one-on-one -on -one conversations. We've seen people come to faith simply through reading the Bible. You know, yeah. so God is, God is uh, at work. He, as Christ has said, he's building his church. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. And, and he's calling his elect um, and he's using us to call them. So that's, wow. that's where this ties in, you know? So you, uh, you, you bring it right up to our next point, actually, uh, people come to faith in Christ through the word mm -hmm. and, uh, you've been posting in Facebook. I've been following, uh, about, uh, Hebrews quite a bit. You've been posting little sections of Hebrews. You just, uh, give the text. I think it's been up, some to, up to 10 verses or so. And you just post the next, are you going through the book of Hebrews? Uh, I'm seeing, uh, something happening here. You, you post something and then you'll maybe give a little thought to it or whatever you, what, what, what's happening there. You're doing, going through Hebrews. It looks like to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, the reason I'm doing this is about like two or three years ago, um, I was wondering how can I help seafarers who have very little free time uh, read the Bible on a, on a, on a regular basis. Mm. And uh, since most of them are on Facebook, I decided to start posting whole books of the Bible, you know, and just like in, in five to 10 verse chunks mm -hmm. uh, every day so that the people who follow me can, can read along. Yeah. And, 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 and I, it doesn't really show always in the likes, but there are quite a few, a significant number of seafarers who are following along with that. Wow. Yeah. And, cool. uh, and, and I believe, you know, we need to read the whole of the Bible. It's not enough to just pick verses out of context. It's, we need to read all of it. And so I want to teach them how to read it in context. Yeah. Um, and so, so who wrote the book of Hebrews? <laughs> i don't know i'm not trying know. to trap you here bro i'm no, not no. trying to trap you uh, i don't know personally i don't believe it's paul because of what the writer says about himself it looks like he wasn't one of the apostles and one of the eyewitnesses although he he knew them and he was of course working um under their authority he was uh, definitely a jew and he was definitely very very well well versed well in the, versed in the scriptures you know? Wow. So he was a very good exegete. He he's uh, he's quoting from significant portions yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. throughout the book. And uh, no, absolutely. I mean, you look at it, it's almost you wonder if these guys had like the Old Testament uh, put to memory. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. crazy, you yeah. know? Because I, I I it seems like to me, and the style I, I would say is not Pauline. I think I agree with you. I think it's not necessarily a Pauline style. Um, but I could say it's Paul if 
and when he's writing to an audience that is Hebrew, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so, but, uh, bro, it yeah, could be the, Paul. I mean, I, we don't know. Yeah, exactly. So that, but the text is just so thick and rich. And you talk about Melchizedek or, or, uh, the eternal priesthood. You know, I, I, I was mentoring a guy or we, we we're doing we we're the same age, so I wasn't mentoring him, but we were doing discipleship together. And he had told me uh, after a little while, "Hey, I haven't re I haven't read the Bible in like ten years." And I'm like, "What? Uh, like how could what? How can you be?" He's like, "Yeah, I got it all. I'll memorize you. It's good." I'm like, "Really?" You know, I said, "Come on!" I I, I convinced him. I twisted his arm uh, to let us uh, read the Bible together, and and I said, "That cannot be. You got to be to be a Christian. You can't not read the Bible." Um, and so we read Hebrew. Started. I said, "What about Hebrews?" And he's like, "Okay, I can get with that." So he hadn't read the Bible in ten years, and after about four or five chapters uh, together, we you know we didn't read the whole thing together, but we were like a chapter at a time. And he looked up, and and after the fifth chapter, I think it was, he looked at me and just said. Richard, man, this is the Holy Scriptures. Wow. Yeah. Bro, this is. Um, and I think actually at that point, like the Lord had had worked in his heart to convince him this is a lifelong right. thing. You can't give it up, give it up. Uh, you can't get far enough in the scriptures to understand it. And we it it's just so rich. It it yeah. this is the holy word of God. And right. he I mean, Hebrews is a huge. Hmm. For me, Jesus is better in Hebrews. That's the that's the tagline. If you're going to say that's the whole theme, that's know? the whole theme, bro. Christ is superior. Christ is sufficient. It's it's all about Him. You know. You want to strengthen your Christology? Go through Hebrews, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I keep telling seafarers, you know how how do you expect to grow spiritually if you do not feed on the Word of God? That's it, man. So uh, that's quality, man. I, I'm going to keep looking forward to what you're posting next in Hebrews. Um, uh, I, I was cool uh, seeing like what, what it said about Moses lately. You know, mm -hmm. he said uh, Moses uh, left Egypt in faith. And, and you always kind of think of like Moses, he murdered that, <laughs> a slave driver, slave master. And he left. It sort of looks like in fear. But yeah. Hebrews sort of corrects us and said he was looking to, to God. It's a very significant commentary on the Old Testament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole book of Hebrews is absolutely mm. a huge commentary on the Old Testament. I actually had a, a, a one of these, um, uh, sorry, let's say false teachers um, <laughs> that I uh, tend to read. I, I read these guys to try to see what in the world is going on. And one of mm -hmm. them, uh, an old prophet who's passed on now, this prophet uh, said uh, that God is equipping us to receive the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, what do you think of that? No, I think that's totally crazy. You know, like uh, it's garbage, right? What What should I say about that? It's like uh, that takes the that's so that's so blasphemous. It's almost um, blasphemous, right? It, Jesus it takes the glory away from Jesus. You know, if yeah. if if we could reach anything that he was or did, we wouldn't need him. That's right. You no. Know? If we could be Mel Melchizedek priests, then he, he wouldn't have needed to come. It's, it's, it says it clearly right in the text. Jesus is the is the priest of the eternal priest of Melchizedek. Right. He's the better priest. He's the better king. He is the better apostle. He's the better prophet. He's the better everything. He's the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. And who, how arrogant can we be? To yeah. to say that that yeah yeah I can I can reach that mm -hmm. by. <laughs> 
<laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is the priest of milk in the line of Melchizedek. No one else, not you, not I, sorry. No. Um, and there is no priesthood anymore anyways, uh, the priesthood of all believers, but uh, there is the priest, the one high holy priest in the line of Melchizedek. He is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, but that's the you know that's the depth of the depth of our depravity, Richard. You know yeah. that that we are capable of fooling ourselves into thinking that we can we can be Christ. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable yeah. how, how wicked we are. Yeah, that's a good segue. move mm-hmm. on into can you uh just for a, for a little bit describe yourself theologically um and how does that i mean you know i love in this show dealing with theology so right. i believe that theology is practical for everyday life for every mm-hmm. church leader that's why i deal with theology because it's important um uh, in the end theology is the work of the church yes it is explaining yes. man to God. That's mm-hmm. what theology is. The study of God to explain him, to understand him for man. So how do yeah. you describe yourself theologically and how does that work itself out in everyday life and ministry? Hey, you know, R.C. Sproul said everyone is a, is a theologian. The question isn't, are you a theologian? The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? <laughs> and, uh, you know. R.C. So, just always brings it to the point, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, it's... it's <laughs> And uh, well, I, I grew up in, in this evangelical Armenian uh, background. Um, I, I now, uh, when people ask me, I say, I'm a, re- I'm a Reformed Baptist. Um, when they yep. okay. want to know more, I more, more specifics. I also yep. happen to be a cessationist and a pre-millennial. But, you know, that those are just uh, those are the size labels, details. you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but um, theology, um, the, the correct... Um, understanding uh, and study of the word of God basically is that it, it should be driven from uh, the, the desire to know God as he really is. And of course, the more I know him, that he, what he's really like, and, and of course, in, in the same uh, process, I see myself as I really am, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that has deep impact on my life. And, and to give you a practical example, I serve in a port, as you mentioned already, with 80 ships. Like I can never, ever come close to visiting all of those ships in a day. I can visit, let's say, between two and four, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can never do enough. Um, if I were to think that um, if I don't go to those ships to share the gospel there, that means all those people people are lost because God is dependent on me uh, going yeah. there. Then I would burn out in a, in less than a year and quit. Sure, you know. Mm-hmm. But knowing that God is sovereign and yeah. that He is in control and that He is He's calling His elect and and He doesn't need me, but He's using me. Yeah, and uh, that is a huge comfort, you know. Yeah, uh, that alone, and also to know that my 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 um, my security, um, the 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 you know the security that I'm saved, my assurance yeah. isn't grounded in my faithfulness and in my obedience and what yeah. Felix can do for God. It's grounded in the finished work of Christ on my behalf. 
It's grounded in God's faithfulness. It's Mm -hmm. grounded in his sovereignty and his power. That's so freeing, isn't it? That is so liberating, you know? I wouldn't know how to live without that. If I were to think that I'm hindering God through my faithlessness or my disobedience, you know? Or not getting to attend ships in a day or something. Right. What kind? What view of God would that be? You know, mm. that that would be, and it's so tiring to live that way. Yeah, so frustrating. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. You had mentioned uh, uh, your your kind of your upbringing, and you got into a charismatic church then, and 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 sort of had had your experiences as well with the New Apostolic Reformation. Mm-hmm. To a degree, right? I guess right. Uh, you didn't you didn't tell it, but but describe that a little bit and how that actually formed you as well. Well, um, I was, uh, even during seminary, I was uh, leaning towards charismaticism. And, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I was very, I'm a very emotional person. So um, I would, I would interpret, you know, uh, my emotions and my experiences as, you know, God speaking to me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when we when we came here, uh, we joined a church which was at the beginning was very moderately charismatic, but mm-hmm. um, throughout the the years that we were there, they became more and more extreme all the time. Mm. And it was all about healing, and that you know that there's healing in the atonement, and that you should never be, ever be sick, or if you're sick, then there's healing for you if you have enough faith, and if you don't get healed, then that's your problem, basically, you know. Um, and, and and other things. And I'm doing just, a I'm doing a yeah. thumbs down. I'm doing a thumbs <laughs> you know, down for those who are listening. <laughs> and God wants you to be successful and mm-hmm. and, and you know and, and prosperous yeah. and all of that. And yeah, the full health, wealth, and prosperity yeah. gospel. It sounds like you were all in there, man. All in there, and, yeah. and I, it wasn't Elaine. It's not. It wasn't overt. Yeah. It was you know more sneaky, and um, it wasn't that I that I saw through that like from immediately from the beginning. But the the more this this uh, that that we were there, as I had all these questions and all these problems with what the pastor was saying, and uh, but I couldn't pinpoint it. You know, I couldn't. You know, right, it's little it's a little slippery, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, you know, you start off with this awkward feeling, but yeah, you don't know where it comes not from. Quite you know, right, is it? Something doesn't it's jive. Like, just yeah. you know, and and so I I said no, we I need to take a break from this church. I need to go into the Word. You know, I have to. Yeah. I have to study these things. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, that was, that was my way out of that. And then, and then the book strange fire uh, and the conference, the strange fire conference by John MacArthur helped as well. And, you know, I mean, I, I have, you know, I, I, I would call myself a cessationist, which certainly doesn't mean that I don't believe in healing or that I don't believe that God does. Yeah, let's things. let's for our hearers who are not quite aware of the theological uh, uh, words there. What right. cessationism is the concept that um, that the cessation it's within the word that mm-hmm. the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased Right. Um, after the closing of the canon of scripture. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. have the 66 books. We got that. That's God's word to us. We don't need any more sign gifts because those were things in a time um, when the, the, the canon of scripture was not um, fully finished. And right. so uh, that, that's the, that's the, 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 the theological 
perspective mm-hmm. of cessationism. Most people uh, misunderstand it as well and misrepresent it in the charismatic or the new apostolic reformation, mostly the new apostolic reformation. I'm not a classic cessationist in mm. that sense, but the new apostolic reformation and those who are anti, let's say, um, would misrepresent it. And they sort of set up a straw man argument yes. that yes. says, well, you guys are all against miracles. You're against the supernatural. Oh. You don't believe in healing. Um, is that what, what you believe? No. We no. believe in healing. We believe in uh, that God can do anything that God decides to do. So the only thing where we would have a difference would be that we ask the question, okay, the things that God does or has done, what is the purpose of those things? Why does he do them? You know, and, 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 and is it his purpose to continue doing the same things all the time? Or did he give them for a specific purpose in a specific moment of church history or, you know, salvation history uh, to, to point to something, you know, to yeah. authenticate somebody, you know, and that's, right. that's where we would. So that perspective yeah. would mostly say, too, that those one, those miracles and, and wonders were wrought to point to the validity of Messiah, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ being God's son, not right. that we can do those things as well. Well, I mean, you see, to give you an example, you see that Jesus, as the Son of God, does miracles to to authenticate Himself, mm-hmm. and 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 some of those miracles are n- miracles of nature. He has he's showing his yeah. his 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 power over nature. Walking as the on water, walking on water, quieting the storm. He's right? the Creator God, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so these miracles that he does, he does not pass those on to his apostles. It's interesting, yeah. None of the apostles do those things, you know. Power he does pass over nature. on certain things to them. Yeah. Which is interesting. Now the movement would say, well, they can call up uh, thunderstorms to stop, fires. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, th- those in Bethel tried to uh, proclaim the stop of the car fires. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't stop it. It just kept Coronavirus. Going. Coronavirus. Yeah. Um, power over nature. No, uh, Kenneth Copeland says he's called uh, uh, tornadoes to stop. They just yes. called it out from yeah. the sky and said it stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the it, problem that nobody was there to witness him, you see. And, uh, <laughs> or did it just stop on its own? Tornadoes right? stop eventually. That could also be an explanation. <laughs> right. And see, the thing is that when God does a miracle in the Bible, it's never in private. Mm. It's never just one person who tells you, like, you know, Muhammad, he says, hey, I'm a prophet because I went to in this cave all alone. And I and I, I met a, a being there, which is supposed to be the angel Gabriel. And now you have to all follow me. Nobody was there. Nobody. Yeah. There is no eyewitnesses. But in or the, the Bible, angel Moroni, or right. Um, the, but in the, the Bible, tablets. Jesus does everything in public. There's mm. every everything that he does is witnessed by 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 people. And John twenty uh, was it uh, thirty thirty and thirty one says, and these he did many more miracles mm-hmm. that other apostles witnessed, but mm-hmm. which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may have life, and uh, in him uh, eternal life. Exactly right. So yeah, those are so that's proof the purpose, right? and validation yeah. of his deity. Right. That's right. Not that you and I can do the same things that he did. The apostles as well, uh, their miracles were for the uh, validity of their ministry mm-hmm. and to uh, to uh, v- v- verify that their scriptures were from God as well. So, yeah, also to move the the to for the birth of the church. I mean, you know, you yeah. have the you have so many transitions in the Book of Acts, like from 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 the Jewish people 
uh, to the to, yeah. to what we now have as the church. You know, there's so many things that had to happen, and that had to happen to authenticate. And to prove that the message that the apostles were preaching is really what was already prophesied in the Old Testament. Right. And actually, uh, then the road to Emmaus, he he walked with them on the road and opened to them the scriptures, which mm-hmm. spoke of himself, not just like one of the, you know, it, it's this it's this unfolding the complete story of scriptures about him. And so, yeah, yeah very and good. You know, I just like to challenge people, you know, if you are a biblical Christian, you have to be a cessationist to some extent. You cannot say that God is doing the same things all the time because you have too many examples in the Bible where God just did something once. That's interesting. Yeah. Like a donkey speaking or uh, or an ark being built or things like that. The sun standing still. Um, right. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you don't believe those things happen. See, see then there's this supernatural thing. Like, do we oh. actually believe? I mean, I believe the supernatural. I mean, I'm a, yes. I, you know, if 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 there were people call me a fundamentalist, and I'm a fundamentalist, bro. I believe those things actually happen. Mm-hmm. Those are historical events. An ark flooding the entire world. That's a historical event in my in my understanding of scripture. Absolutely. The standing still for a, for for a full 24 hours is, is a yeah. historical event, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And there's no question that God could do that again if He ever wanted to. A dead man being raised to life from his own power that happened mm-hmm. um not spiritually he wasn't spiritually nope. raised from the dead right just like in our thoughts he's raised in our thoughts from the dead <laughs> like the liberals would say that's garbage so anyways mm-hmm. we're getting off on <laughs> sidetrack <laughs> all my guests this lately um what do you see the church needs right now um uh, with things like these uh, current sexual scandals and heresies abounding um uh, through progressive christianity and through the nar new apostolic reformation and other areas worldliness biblical illiteracy persecution loss of religious liberties etc etc and so on and so on what do you see is really Uh, necessary for the church? What does it need right now? Well, to give you a simple answer, um, I think the church is in need of reformation. Mm. And, uh, and I mean, Semper Reformata, always reforming. Movement, right. We have to always be continuously reforming. Yeah. Every generation has to go back to its roots and the roots are the word of God. We have to go back to our roots. We have to go back to the basics we have to go. We have to uh, abandon um, human uh, tactics and 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 things that we do in order to grow our church numerically. Um, we have to go back to a, a biblical view of God, a biblical view of man, and 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 a biblical view of salvation and what the church is. And we need to stop um, um, giving people these these uh, pragmatic. Um, therapeutic pep talks, oh. sermons, uh, you know, therapeutic pep talks. No uh, one, no know. one preaches those, do they? No, never. I never done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we need to go back to really, you know, um, preaching the word of God. As, so we're, we should move from moralistic therapeutic deism, right? 
to biblical theology. Yeah, right? yeah. You, you know, I mean, Sola you know, Scriptura. this maybe, That's right. You know, um, Richard, it's very tempting, you know, when you have to prepare a sermon, you know, especially when you have little time to think, yeah, I'm just going to talk about this topic, you know, and just grab a few verses together that are supposed to, you know, uh, undergird what you're saying. The problem is that it's very easy to have to to prepare a bad topical sermon. It's very hard to prepare a good one, because <laughs> no. in order to prepare it well, you need to have done a lot of exegetical work before. Bro, I find it harder to prepare a topical mm-hmm. sermon. Uh, in my opinion, like if I'm the text is there, it's right. I mean, like what I'm talking about is right there. If I just yeah. look at the text, and you know, I find it hard to put like topics together and pull from different things and sources and put like five or six verses together to uh to to you know support my point right <laughs> you know uh, i find that hard that is hard and yeah. you know nice. and that's what all the all the cult leaders do mm. they just love to take verses out of context and Oops. we have to you stop just... that we have to go back and and systematically preach god's word uh, mm. verse by verse book by book um, and, and another thing that we have to get away from is to think that the people in the church that we, uh, that we attend or that we pastor already know the gospel and already believe it. Right. You know, we, in some churches, you have the idea that they believe that all people who come through the door are saved. You know, that, that, that's, that's nonsense. There are so many unsaved people in our churches, yep. and, and they need to hear the gospel, not just them. The believers need to hear the gospel. Exactly. I need the gospel more than ever. All the time. I, I need if it. You, yeah. if, you, if you don't ground everything in, in the gospel, then it just becomes works, 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 works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 You're right on the money, man. So uh, uh, how can a church, you're a missionary, right? You're a missionary mm-hmm. to, to the melting pot that is the port of of Rotterdam. Um, how can the church engage in mission and be outward focused? Um, to give, give us some, some pointers there, some ideas for our churchpreneurs out there. So it's good to be outward focused, but it has to not um, uh, go, you know, um, to the cost of, of feeding your sheep. So basically right. you need to, to equip um, your church members mm. um, so that sharing the gospel, reaching uh, non-believers becomes a lifestyle, not, uh. not something that you organize every once in a while, not something that you get the expert from outside to come in and do, yeah. you know? It's something that we all need to learn. Of course, not everybody has the same gift. Not everybody is an evangelist as, sure. you know, gift-wise, but we all have the great commission and and it needs to flow from our knowledge of and our obedience to Christ. So what what you're saying is, is focus on by focusing on the inward in right. the inward discipleship, the, the Christ in the center, you're going to have outward uh, expression. Oh, and it's going to be so much more effective because you're multiplying uh, that. So, yeah. you know, in, 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 for, for, for example, in our ministry, we could say, yeah, we're, we're just focusing on visiting the ships. But that would be so ineffective because if there is an, a believer on the ship for nine months, he's there like nine months, 24-7 as a witness. <laughs> Right. If I can, if I can train him, equip if him. I can equip yeah. him 
to to be a witness on board, then he's so much more effective than I can ever be, because I can only visit the ship for maybe an hour every few weeks or months. Yeah. So church entrepreneurs equip the sheep. Yeah. You know, uh, you're, you equip the flock to uh, to reach. Uh, those around them. Great work, bro. I could go, I, I think we could go on all day here in a talk, <laughs> but do this uh, at the conclusion uh, mm. here. I've done this too with my, with my listeners, about my, my guests. Um, uh, my son was walking around the other day with just a, a measuring tape, measuring everything in the house. He was just, he was going around measuring stuff. And then he, then he held the measuring tape to himself and he's like, Hey dad, um, how much have I grown in the gospel today? <laughs> that's such a great question i, know, that was great, man. <laughs> I was like oh that's interesting you know i thought well i could just say something you know or i could like let him show me how much he's grown in the gospel so i said well buddy uh what is the gospel and he said dad it's the truth that god the father god the son and god the holy spirit are one and that by believing in him, you have life in his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yes, sir. And then he added on at the end. He said, yeah, but you can't be sarcastic about it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. And he, his idea was like, you can't be like, yeah, I believe in God. Or, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> he had to say you had to be, you had to mean it. You have to mean yeah, it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So Felix, yes, close us up here. Give us the gospel. Mm-hmm. Give us the gospel and and challenge us. Maybe those who've never heard, never, never believed in Christ for the first time, or those who are already Christians and have trusted in Christ, bring us deeper in the gospel. So you and I, we have been created by God to know him and to live in harmony with him. Um, that harmony, that peace. That relationship was destroyed when we in Adam sinned against God. We rebelled against him. And basically what we all do on a daily basis is we say, we want to be our own God. We want to sit on the throne. We want to determine what's right and wrong. And that's because we have a sinful, evil, rebellious, depraved nature. Um, we are spiritually dead and sick. And uh, we cannot cure ourselves. You cannot uh, change your nature. You cannot change your heart. And you're, the more, longer that we live, and I'm not here to judge you, I'm, I'm the same, um, we give God more reason to punish us because we are rebelling against him in sin. We are doing the things that he hates. And God is so holy that he can have no fellowship with sin. That's why no human being can stand before God and live. The wages of sin is death, eternal death in hell. When I stand before God in my sin, no matter how good I think I have been, no matter how socially active I've been, no matter how many good works I think I have done, I, I cannot stand before him and live. Because outside of Christ, all of my good works are unacceptable to him. I have to live up to God's standard, and his standard is not that I do my best and I give it my best shot, my, his standard is that I have to be like him. I have to be perfect. I have to be sinless. That's why James says, if I break the smallest commandment, I've broken the whole law. Mm-hmm. One sin disqualifies no. me from ever being acceptable to God. And I cannot change that. There is no way that we can ever save ourselves because we cannot change our human condition. 
And I need to understand this, that I am lost. And w- otherwise, I will not understand the good news of the gospel. Yeah. And the good news of, of the gospel is not that I can save myself or any church or religion could do this for me. The good news is that God himself, before he created the world, already chose his own son, Christ, to come into our world at the appointed time. He's God, the son, the mm. second person of the Trinity, who became a man, who, who, who humbled himself in such an incredible way that he lived a fully human life with all the reality of what that means to live a human life in a fallen world. So he was, he was really tempted to sin each and every single day like we are. But unlike you and me, he never sinned all those 33 years, even once, even for one millisecond. He's the only one who's perfect. He's acceptable to God. He fulfilled the law, which we can never fulfill. And he gave that perfect, sinless life in exchange for our life of sin mm-hmm. when he died on the cross. Jesus Christ is the lamb that comes to take away the sin of the world. He's the ultimate sacrifice. He is the one who bore our sins in his body on the tree. He's the one who took the wrath of his father on himself and he paid in full. He said, it is finished. There's nothing more we can add to that. The work of Christ is complete. He, he He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He really died, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave, never to die again. Mm. And he is now in heaven. He is reigning on as king on the throne. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And he is calling to all men right now to repent. That means to become honest. That means to see yourself in the light of the word of God and to say, I am not a good man. I am a sinful man. I deserve God's wrath. I deserve his judgment. And I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Turn from your sin. Turn from your old way and put your faith and your trust not in yourself, not in another human leader or an institution. Put your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ for you. Jesus Christ died for you. He is your Savior And you have God's promise, as we read in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever trusts in him, and trusts, by the way, the faith in the Bible means that I rely on Jesus. Not that I just believe facts about him, I rely on him. That when I rely on him, I will not perish, I will have eternal life God forgives my sins. God adopts me as his child. God gives me a new heart and a new nature. I'm born again. I become a new creature in Christ. I have eternal life. That is God's work. And God is calling to you today to repent and trust in Christ. Amen, bro. That is the good news of the gospel. First, there's bad news. Then comes the good news. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Therefore, be a new creation. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Take Felix's words to heart. Put your trust and your faith in Christ alone for your salvation, and he will give it. He'll do it. He'll do it. 
Yeah. He'll do That's it. That's what we experienced. That's right. You and I both sitting here, uh, not so many miles away, but uh, a few miles away from each other in Rotterdam here and me in Southern Germany. But uh, God gave us new hearts. We're sinful men, just like you, just like everyone. As in Adam, we're all sinners. But the second Adam came to destroy that first Adam and his nature that he gave us. And so, uh, churchpreneur, person listening, if you've never trusted in Christ before, take that moment today to do that. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Felix, man, you gave us the gospel. It's like this, this diamond. You know, the, the, the gospel is this diamond of wealth and beauty and riches. And in the diamond, there are so many facets and sides and and. When the light shines on it, we see one facet, right? But when the light of the of the glory of God shines on it, it just is brilliant and it fills up a whole room with its uh, light rays. And so we see a new angle of the gospel every day. And that's how we grow in the gospel. Look at the glory of Christ in the scriptures and you'll find a new facet of the gospel every day. And so, uh, Felix, thanks for sharing the gospel with us. Tell us, uh, to close up where we can find out more about your ministry, maybe sign up for an email newsletter, um, social media, etc. Yeah, so the easiest way probably would to find would be to find me on Facebook under my name, uh, Felix Hendricks. It's spelled uh, my last name is spelled H E N R I C H S. Uh, I have a Facebook page as well called SCFS Rotterdam, named after the mission that I serve. Um, and you can also find us on our website, scfs-rotterdam.nl. Um, you can contact me through any of those uh, by any of those means, and if you want, I will send you our uh, our newsletter, which comes out like around every three months or so. I'll keep you updated on other things that uh, is, that are going on. Great. So uh, please reach out, and if if God put on your heart to support their ministry, just go to their website. We'll put all that stuff in the description below. So uh, go ahead and reach out to Felix and, and support him. At least get his uh, missionary newsletter, bro. If you're a Christian and you heard this and it touched your life, go get their missionary newsletter, and you can pray with them, pray for them. Um, that's I think the minimum you can do. Um, go get their missionary newsletter. I'm I'm one who wants a missionary newsletter from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a different breed, I think. But anyway, so um, yeah, bro, Felix, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule uh, to be on Churchpreneurs today. God bless you. And and we'll just be keeping up and maybe we'll have you back. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you so much. It's, it's really been a pleasure, Richard. Um, it's been an honor to be, yeah, to be sharing these things on your, on your podcast, great. on your YouTube. Yeah. Great. So, God, bless you, God, God bless you, bro. God bless you. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> we just laugh a lot and have a good time. Mm, all right. Was that all right? That's okay. Yeah. Oh. This is This is. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We should put that in the outtake. <laughs> Hey, did I make it through? That was good. <laughs> all right, all right. You, yeah, of course. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Churchpreneur's Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. Although I haven't done it in a while, I need to catch up there. <laughs> You're welcome to follow me on Twitter if you do that kind of thing, at uh, richardpmore23. You can also email us at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. That's C-H-U-R-C-H. E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S. That's like church and entrepreneurs jammed into one awesome jambalaya. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments or questions, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care. All right. Yeah, of course.